before we get started. Someone like crepers? Keep punch crepers. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, thank you for choosing each one of us, Lord, and, and give us the time, resources, and ability to be here, to be in your word. And please help us to have the courage, discipline, and so in a way that might glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. So guys, let's talk about why we should study the Bible. What are your thoughts? Why do you think we should study it? To have better knowledge and understanding how to teach it to others. Yeah, okay. So better knowledge, being able to t- teach others. That. I look at it, it's a, to me it's a rule book, it's a guide, and if, it, if I'm going to follow the guide, I need to, I need to read it, I need to understand it. I need to, it's kind of like driving a car, if you don't know the rules of the road, how are you going to apply them? Yeah, you need to know what it says, right? Exactly. <coughs> what else? <coughs> Keith, pull up um, 1 Timothy 3.15. No, Second Timothy three fifteen, sorry. Second Timothy three fifteen. Fifteen. How many Someone have it? No. To get it to oh my gosh, I so thought I had it written down right. This yeah. is why you studied the Bible. This is why you studied the Bible. <laughs> That's right. First is I think it's because I was in the wrong book. Be diligent to present yourself approved of God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Right address later. Sorry about that. So we need to be diligent to present ourselves a prudent of God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So we want to become a student of the Bible, not so we can gain knowledge. The ultimate goal is so that we can follow the Lord and get to know Him better. It's about knowing God and who He is and growing that relationship with Him. Someone asked a great question. Well, what... So how do I know, like, if I read certain books, if I'm reading truth or not? Right, so this guy wrote a book about Jesus, and I'm reading it. How do I, how am I able to discern if what I'm reading is true or not? Filter it through the Bible. Yeah. And so if, we, if we're going to do that, we probably need to know what the Bible has to say, right? I love what a guy said. He said, when we teach people, cashiers... To know what a counterfeit $100 bill looks like, you know what we do? We focus on the $100 bill, the real thing. We don't focus on counterfeits. We focus on the real thing so that when we see a counterfeit, we'll know it immediately. And I'd suggest you it's the same with, with God and his word. If we get to know God's word, we won't have to worry about a guy being deceived. If he knows the word of God, he's going to see deception coming from a mile away. And so that's another thing that Bible study can help us is we can see deception. What do you think the prerequisite to becoming a student of the Bible is? What do we have to do? Special training? Think we need to go get special training first? I do think you have to submit yourself to the fact that what you're reading is true. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus says, um, I'll show you the truth, but before I show you, you've got to believe me first. If you don't believe me, I'm not going to reveal myself to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's amazing because you can see guys who are theologians, they've spent their entire life in the Word, and yet because they don't believe what it says, they can't see it clearly. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So, guys, you do not need to go to seminary in order to become a student of the Bible. It has nothing to do with head knowledge, but like Tyson says, a willingness. You know, to believe God and what he says. And then after that, it's time. I'm telling you, it's just spending the time doing it. And you're going to get out of it what you put into it. That's the bottom line. The more time you spend in the Word and personal Bible study, the more you're going to get out of it. 
It's amazing um, what God will do in a guy's life. I was excited. I had a, a guy I've discipled. He led our, um, we have a weekly Bible study, and just the, I, I've seen the time he's put in the Word, and he led the guys, and I was blown away. I mean, and he, you met, meet this guy, he's just kind of quirky, he's total ADD, his mind goes all over the place, and I wonder how's this going to turn out. <laughs> and then it just was amazing, Brad was there, right? Mm-hmm. It was amazing to see how he just, God used him, God used him mightily, it was really cool to see. So, um, I think one of the greatest things too, if we get into personal Bible study, we learn how to think. And we see so much of the Christian world today, right, is we go to church, we're told what to think, and we're told what to believe without ever asking the question, is that true? Is that correct? Is that accurate? And getting in the Word on your own and starting just to ask questions, it's amazing how the Word of God can just open up to you, and God will grow you and mature you through it. So the first thing... Um, I, I gave you guys, you look at that ABC Bible study. So this is something that is so simple, yet if you just start practicing this as you're reading, so I'd encourage you, choose a book of the Bible and get with one other guy or you can get with a small group and just do what this process is. So the first thing you do is let's say you're going to start in John chapter 1 and just start writing down observations. What do you see, right? Who's the author? Who are they writing about? The thing I love it when going through the Gospels, who are the characters in the scene? It seems like there's so much narrative in the Gospels, you know, and it's broken down into scenes. So Jesus at the wedding in Cana, right? What's going on there? Who's in the scene? What are they doing? What are they talking about? Just... Start making those observations when you're going through a passage of scripture. And so then after you, you come down and just, and, I'm, and don't limit it. You know, even if you think it's a dumb observation, write it down. And then what you do is you give it a title. So af- after you make all these observations, give the passage a title. So like you said, you know, the wedding at Cana, you know, that's what the people do. You could say, or Jesus and his disciples go to a wedding. And then choose the best verse. Then you choose the challenge for your life. So what's a per- how does this passage talk about, you know, my own personal life? How can I apply this piece of scripture to my own personal life? And then the difficulties, what are there, the things I don't understand that maybe I should look into scripture more and get a better understanding about? And then you write the essence of the passage. And we call it the ABC because really you're going A through E, right? And I'm telling you just doing this simple thing and spending a little time on the Word and thinking through it, it's amazing how you'll see things you never saw before. You'll make new observations, and God will show you new truth. And so I encourage it. This is a great way to get started, and you're just kind of getting a taste for getting a little deeper into the Word of God and studying it. All right, I'm, I'm flying because I know we're going to run out of time. Because my goals before we leave is we're going to do a quick little Bible study to give you guys kind of a feel. So I just want to go through the principles really quick, and then we're just going to go and do it. Um, this book right here, you guys may be seeing this on the book table, Studying, Interpreting, and Applying the Bible. Um, get a copy of this. This is an excellent, excellent resource, because this takes you through different types of Bible study. Um, has anyone in this room been through a comprehensive Bible study, you know, learning how to use this book? Nobody? Okay. Um, I thought, you know, it's funny, too. I thought, you know, how to study the Bible workshop, I'd get like three or four guys if you swallow a group <laughs> Surprisingly, we got a full group. So, there are different ways to study the Bible, and I'm just going to tell you a few of them that this book talks about. One is verse analysis. This is the one we're going to try before we leave. And really, that's taking a single verse in the scriptures and then just really kind of honing in on that single verse and trying to see what you can learn about it. The next one is it's called the analytical study. And that's the study of either like a chapter or just a larger passage in the Bible. So you're not really on one verse, but you're on, you know, a whole chapter or maybe just a whole section that kind of deals with one subject. And then the synthetic study is the the overall broad study of one of the books of the Bible. So, you know, a synthetic study done on Jude, you know, realistic, you can do that, right? A synthetic study on Romans, 
that's a long-term deep study, you know, because Rome is just so chock full of doctrine. And then the other one is a biographical. So what do you think a biographical study is? Uh, good thought, but it's a little different than that. What do you guys think? Biographical. The specific character of the Bible? Yeah, exactly. So you could do a biographical study on Abraham or David, right? So one of the characters that the Bible talks about. But certainly you could do a biographical study on Paul, right? He did write books of the Bible, but then he's also a character in the book of Acts. Yeah. And then the last one would be a topical Bible study. What do you think a topical... What could be a topical study in the Bible that we could do? A specific topic? Yeah. Give me an example of one. Um, maybe Moses? That would be biographical. Okay, well, like adultery. Baptism, great. Adultery, yeah. Exactly. So that's just a specific topic. And a lot of times in the Bible, that topic's going to be spread out through you know the entire Bible where you'll find Old Testament verses you'll find New Testament verses. So you're going to be going in a lot more different places when you're doing a topical study. So um, what we've done in Phoenix is we've taken guys through um, using this book and learning how to do it. The first thing we do is we just start doing verse analysis. And remember that wheel um, that... uh, The obedient Christian? Yeah, the wheel that they about the obedient Christian action that um, they showed up on the screen... We do specific verses with, with each one of those subjects, and we call it the wheel study. And that's really cool. So you just do verse analysis. One day you focus on prayer. Another day we'll focus on um, witnessing. And we just go through basically all the things that the wheel encompass. And then after that, we learn to do chapter study by doing a chapter at a time of the first eight books of Romans. And then after that... We go through um, a biographical study of Gideon, and we go through a topical study of divorce. And that usually takes us about a year and a half to two years to do, meeting once a month or once every three weeks. And I've seen it over and over and over again. Guys who go into that study and go through the whole thing, they're different men when they come out of it. God used it in my life huge. He changed me when I went through that study quite a few years ago. So the major... um, Let's talk about the concordance. So grab your Bibles and grab one of the concordances. And let's talk about how we use this thing. So my guess is if you guys have been a Christian for a while, you've heard of Strong's Concordance. And basically this guy, James Strong, I don't even know when he was alive, but I'm guessing it was like maybe the late 1800s, early 1900s. This guy was super, super smart. And he actually took every word in the Bible and went back to the original Hebrew or the original Greek and wrote them out and got the definitions for every single word in the Bible. Obviously took a long time, didn't it? And so he created this system where we don't need to know the language, but as you know with translation, there can be sometimes different words used. And even though the guys tried to pick the best word, they thought that could be used in that verse. Sometimes it's funny. You'll go back into the Strong's and get the original meaning, and it's different than what it says. So I'll give you an example. Um, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Um, let's read. If read verse, you know what? No, let's do this. I'm sorry. I'm going to jump on us. Go to Philippians. Go to the next book over. We're going to look at Philippians six. Yep, four six. Do you have that? Go ahead and read it. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Yeah. Okay, so let's take the word supplication. And so this is verse is that? Uh, Philippians 4, 6. <coughs> supplication. So what the way this book is divided out, in the beginning are all the words that appear in the Bible. Okay, and that's the first three quarters of the book. And you'll see 
see these markings on the side? So basically that's the alphabet, A going down to Z. And so if we're looking for the word, what word do we say we're going to use? Supplication. Supplication, thank you. So supplication go down to S. Huh? <coughs> Page 13, 24. Uh, yeah, there, yeah. Uh, top left, right. So supplication. So there you see the word supplication, right? And so if you look at that first one, right, I have not made S unto the Lord. So where the S is there, that's where supplication appears in that verse. And then it gives us the Bible reference. 1 Samuel 13, 12. And then see that, that number there, 2420. So, right, 1 Samuel 13, 12. New Testament or Old Testament? Old Testament. Old Testament. So that means it was written in what language? <coughs> Hebrew. Hebrew, correct. All right? And then if you work down, what we want to do is find our reference we're talking about, right? Very bottom. Yeah. So it's the last time actually supplication appears in the Bible. Philippians 4, 6. And then see there, we've got 1162. Which, if it was written in the New Testament, what was the language? Greek. Aramaic or Greek. This all goes back to Greek, actually. So, it goes back to the Greek, yeah. And then the number there is 1162. So the first error people usually make, if you jump back here now, if you look at this little tab here, at the top here you see Hebrew. And then behind Hebrew further back in this book is is Greek, and so a lot of times when I get when I did it many times when I first started using this, I'd start looking for the number, and then forget. Oh wait, I shouldn't be in Hebrew. I should be in the Greek. So, if we're looking at supplication, Philippians four six number eleven sixty two, first go to the Greek, and then look up number one one six two. Uh, page twenty. Yep, page twenty. And so, what's the definition of supplication in Philippians 4.6? Desis. That's the, yeah, name. And then, so that gives us the actual Greek word, right? Desis is the, deesis, or deesis, I guess is how you say it. And then it says, you see that where it says from 1189? So if you want to even go deeper, that 1189 is actually, you could jump over there, and that's where this word originated from. So if you go to 1189, there's another word that talks about petition, beseech, pray, and it's deomai. But let's go back to where we were. And so 1162, the definition of supplication is a petition, a prayer, or a request. So that gets us back to the original Greek, right? Interesting, though, if you go back to where it had supplication, how many different numbers did it have in the New Testament? Break between the old and the new is Matthew, is that correct? Correct. And it starts with Acts and goes down. There's four times where this word appears in the Bible if you go back there and look. So there's only one, right? 1162 is the only... But if you go to the Old Testament and you look at how many different numbers there are for supplication... One, two, three, four... It's like there's about four different numbers that were used. Five. So there you can see... The word supplication is used numerous times in the Old Testament, but actually the Hebrew words are different. And that shows us how <coughs> we can sometimes come up with a different definition, even though the same English word is used in our translation. Let's try it one more time. So in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. Look up the word anxious. So let's go back to the beginning and look for anxious. If someone finds the page it's on, let us know. Got it? 
I'm not reading it. No one has it? That's right. It's not in there. Why is it not in there? Because you're reading a different version. You got it. This is based on the King James Version of the Bible. And in the King James Version of the Bible, anxious is not used. Whatever word he said when he was reading it. Yes, you got it. It's careful. So that's the one thing we got to make sure is when we're doing a study and using our concordance, we need to have a King James translation in order to make sure we're using the correct words. Yep. So look up careful. Page 167. Yep. And so let's... So, right, if we're looking up careful... You can see here, what's another word that basically we're probably using um, earlier on? would be care, right? Same word, just, you know, that's just slightly different in how it's being said. So this is another thing we can do, is we can look up other verses that use this word in order to do our Bible study. So, okay, I want to go a little deeper into the word careful. What are some other verses I can look up? So we'd go here, and we'd see... You know, in 4.6, there's 33.09, and then if you go up one more, you see Luke 10.41 has 33.09. So then I could go to my Bible, go to Luke 10.41, and read how that word's being used in that verse. Does that make sense? That's what we call about using correlating verses in order to help us get a deeper understanding of a verse we're studying in the Bible. Great way to do it. It's kind of taking a word and then looking up the correlating verses. If that's a key word in that verse, I encourage you, this is... This is how you do it. Now, there's lots of great digital tools out there to do this even quicker. But one thing I encourage you guys to do, get a good understanding of how to use this before you go to the digital. It's like what your teachers tell you in math. Do the problems, right, before, and learn how to do the work before you use a calculator. I encourage you to do the same thing with your Strong's Concordance. Get a good understanding, and then once you have a good understanding, if you want to do it quicker, and use some cool digital, and we'll talk about what a few of those are. Go to those next. But when we start the study, I always tell guys, do not go to your computer until we've finished about five weeks of study using the Strong's Concordance. Trevor, you listed off a few of the study types there. Yep. Um, It would seem there's pros and cons. Is it important to blend your study type so that you don't (coughs) lose? To me, this this is zeroing in on on words and understanding words, are you at risk of losing context if you don't back up? Great. Getting ahead of you. Great question, and we're going to actually talk about that okay. in just two minutes. So All if right. I don't answer your question, okay. Tyson, we'll go into it, okay? okay? Great question. So the, we've talked about observation with the, the ABC Bible study. You know, the other things... Um, <coughs> The Bible, this book really focuses on four different types, and we have of uh, things we can do when we're studying the Bible. And one is observation, right? Just reading a passage and writing down as many observations as we can make. The other is interpretation. So, the interpretation is, you know, how do I interpret this verse? So, the questions I need to be asking are, what does it say? What does it mean? And how do I apply it? So, interpretation would be, what does it mean? Make sense? Correlation, we talked about that. We can, and we're doing, looking up the words in the concordance. Correlation is what are correlating verses or passages in Scripture I can use. So the best interpreter of Scripture is Scripture. The best thing we can do, if I want to get a better understanding of a passage, go to another passage. Because what you're going to find is one passage won't be complete in what God has to say. And if we can find all the different passages, then we can get the full understanding of what God's trying to teach us. So, for example, if someone said, read in the scriptures, um, you know, ask God and it will be given to you. And he just focused on that one verse. He may get the belief that I just have to ask God for something and he's definitely, he's going to give it to me. And if he doesn't give it to me, then God's not who he says he is. But if we do a study on the different other passages that talk about asking God, There's one in James that says, if you ask according to his will. Okay, interesting. That gives us a little more understanding of when we go and we ask God for things, if it's according to his will. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then the other is application. And this should be the ultimate goal of all Bible study. What does the verse say? What does it mean? How do I apply it to my life? 
How does God want me to take that truth and apply it to my life? And the other two main points when we get into Bible study that is going to be the driving force of the different books, the different chapters, is either um, it's going to be doctrine or it's going to be (coughs) exhortation. So either a truth is going to be taught or the Bible is going to be telling us, you know, a command to follow or a, a certain passage to apply into our own lives. So what's a good doctrine verse that you guys can think of off the top of your head? Anyone come with anything off the top of your head? Almost anything out of yeah. Perfect, yep. For by grace we have been saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast, right? That's doctrine that's being taught there. What about an exhortation? What's an exhortation the Bible teaches us? How about the one that... Um, his name Sean. is Sean, thank you. That Sean shared about the greatest commandment. What's that one? Love. Yeah, doctrine or exhortation? Exhortation. Exhortation, yeah, it's a call to action. It's something you should do. So it's good to be able to make those distinctions. So what we're going to do now is we're going to do a verse analysis of 2 Timothy 2.2. Did guys, did, did you guys get a copy of this yet? Did we this out yet? Who doesn't who needs a copy of this? Okay. There you go. Got one, Brad? Anyone got one? All right. So this chapter two is taken from this book, and this is going to tell us how to go through verse analysis. And the thing I love about this book, it really just goes step by step. And so the first thing, I want to take um, a few minutes. If you guys have paper and pen, does anyone not have paper and pen? You can even use the back of, of this if you want. But go to 2 Timothy 2.2, and we're going to do a few of these steps. So this is our theme verse for the weekend, and John has it on the banner there as well. And what you have heard in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I've got my old Bible version, but the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, step one in 18 there tells us to select the context of the verse. And so Tyson was talking about that. What about the context? So when we talk about the context, what we want to do is we want to read our topic verse, but then we want to read before and after, and we want to figure out, okay, what are the verses that are maybe kind of all bunched together that 2 Timothy 2.2 is a part of? So quietly just read it, and then tell me where you guys think we should start and where we should end in the context of this. And this is not, there's not one context necessarily. There may be, right, a paragraph, there may be a chapter, but let's, consider it's just going to be a few verses it's not going to be a whole chapter and also just because there is a chapter break don't necessarily assume that that's where the where the context should begin or end because remember when these were written there were no verse verses there were no chapters right those were put in later so that we could quickly find references but sometimes in our bible study we may be starting a study at the beginning of a chapter I encourage you, go ahead. You might want to start your context before the beginning of the chapter. Let's read the first part of that passage and tell me what you think we should do for uh, context. I think if you back up to 12, actually, he starts saying, God gave, Jesus gave me something. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then two two, he's saying, "I'm basically I'm giving you something, and now you give that something to someone else." Yep. It's a, the context is the the passage of understanding and knowledge through discipleship. 
That's great, Tyson. Great observations you just made. So you just made a bunch of observations there, right? And I think one, that's one of the biggest observations of, of this verse is reception and transmission, receiving and giving, no doubt about it. But let's try to hone it in smaller. Let's, short, let's do a few verses, you know, let's keep it under six for sure. So give me a context you think with less than six verses of where we start and where we end. You're trying to be contiguous, so six, yeah, in, in six con- contiguous verses? Yes, so okay. in the context, we're always contiguous, yes. Okay. If, if we're not contiguous, I'd suggest you we're going to correlating verses then. Okay. And how about just to keep it simple, let's start at the beginning of chapter 2. Yeah. Anyone got any thoughts? Remember, there's no right or wrong answer here. Grace. Yes, what verses would you incorporate for that? Um, I mean, starting even j- it just goes on to kind of give things to do. Yeah. Where would you stop your context? Yeah, I think I, I would agree. And I think actually you could probably bring it to seven, but because of our time mm-hmm. and keeping it simple, let's just focus on verses one through four. So you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in the civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So what I want you guys to do, write down five observations right now. Just make five observations in this passage, one through four. Remember, an observation can be anything. Think about the who, what, where, when, why. <coughs> what does it say? What does it mean? How do I apply it? Those are the questions you can ask yourself as you're going through it. The observations could also be an interpret as you're making them. It can be an interpretation or an application, so feel free to write those down if that's what you want one of your observations to be. Okay, let's talk about them. What did you guys come up with? Let's hear some observations you made. Um, I thought it was interesting in verse 3, the use of the word... Christ Jesus, he didn't, he said, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier. Great observation, yeah, yeah, so the follower of Christ is a soldier, right, he's in battle, it's not, it's not peacetime, is it, mm-hmm. yeah, great observation, what's another one? Expand on that, that don't get caught up in the same, <coughs> don't follow what you know to be careful, <coughs> not what you hear from others around you. Mm-hmm. So, let's take that another step, what's an application we can draw according to that verse. And again, this could be lots of different things. Does anyone want to come up with a personal application on that, based upon what that verse says? Bug from social media? Great. Great application, right? Yeah. My One of mine was, the application was, I need to see my job as not just my job, but my, the ministry God has given me, right? So it's it's how I view things sometimes in order to not be entangled. What's another observation you guys made in the passage? He refers to, he's writing of Timothy, and so he refers to Timothy as my child. Yeah, that's right. Great observation, right? Paul's Paul's the father, Timothy's the child, right? In a spiritual sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So similar to the soldier thing, I think as well to the one who enlisted him. There's an there's an authority established both with father, son, and enlisted soldier. Great observation. Yep. Well, it was kind of a common theme where Sarks is kind of listing, like, learn these things, but then continue to teach that. So, Tim, and what he's saying there, he, he talks about, right, the, the my son, right? So, Timothy sees himself as a spiritual father. I'm sorry, Paul sees himself as a spiritual father to Timothy. Mm-hmm. And then you're talking about going further. So, what do you think that implies? I think it's talking about 
just your you're not just in it alone so Paul's speaking into Timothy and kind of goes into where we were there you got it yeah so let's talk so in verse 2 how many generations are referred to many there is but how how many three close four four yeah right Jesus so let's talk about right Paul says the things which you have heard from me that's the first generation so Paul, Timothy's the second right entrust these to faithful men that's the third generation and then what's the next one to teach others we'll teach others, we'll teach others also right yeah so Paul talks about four generations right I want to see this thing go down four generations from where I'm at so just another observation we can make right and I think it, it's no accident. Paul knows that, man, if I can get Timothy to have spiritual grandchildren, things are going to continue on, right? Spiritual multiplication is going to continue to blossom and bloom. And we see that with Jesus and the disciples, right? He gave his life to 12. And think about that. 12 guys, how many millions of Christians we have in the world today? And that started with Jesus investing in 12 guys. Trevor, can I ask you a question where he says in trust? Is it, is it something, you know, kind of casting your pearls before swine? Um, and with the comment that Sean made around available, teachable, um, are we to treat this as kind of a precious gift and very careful with who we give it to? So let's look at the word. Why don't we do that really quick? Yeah. Keith, is in trust the King James version of that word? No. Yeah. Okay. So let's look up commit. So whoever gets that first, tell us what number we're going to. Two twenty. And then what's the Greek number? 3908. Alright, so let's jump to 3908. And guys, if you have some later on more questions about this concordance, please feel free to ask me. I can't guarantee I'll know the answer, but I'll do my best to answer you. Yeah, 3908. I'm going to read that definition. To place alongside, present, um, to deposit, uh, allege, commend, commit, the keeping of, put forth, or set before. So Tyson, I, when I look at that, I look at that one definition as a trust or deposit for protection, right? So that would, I think you're right, I think you're on track is what Paul's telling Timothy to do, this is like, this is so precious, right? Treat it for how precious it is and be sure you're passing it on to those because, right, the things which you've heard from me, the the truths I'm giving you, you need to number one, protect them and to entrust them to faithful men, right? Yeah. No doubt about it. Question, so the question maybe I ask, how do I find a faithful man? How do we find a faithful man to entrust this stuff to? Great prayer, yeah. So that could be an application, right? I pray to God for faithful men, like Sean said, right? God, give me a guy who has fire in his belly. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys ever had the the issue, though, of um, you see a guy who you believe is a faithful man, but then all of a sudden he goes sideways and he's not, not faithful anymore? Is that... Anything you guys have witnessed before? Yeah. Yeah. So, interesting. How do we find a faithful man? Gosh. Do you guys figure it out? Tell me, because I haven't figured it out. But one thing I've found is I pray to God about it. I go and do my part of being faithful to a guy. And then what happens is just sometimes a guy's faithful, sometimes he's not. But then if I see a guy really being faithful, I hone in on him and really give him a priority and spend time with him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyone have any other observations they'd like to share before we go on? I like that acronym. I'm going to remember it. Fat man. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that can be sometimes an indicator, right? Faithful, he's available, he's not canceling on all, canceling on you all the time. And when, when you're talking about truths, it seems like he's receptive and he wants to learn more. Yeah. Trevor, when you talk about measuring faithfulness, do you talk about getting to know a man so well that you see the corners of his life? You see his how he raises his kids and treats his wife and treats his parents and does his job. I mean, how do you measure? That's the thing. It's tough, I think. Yeah. And um, there's a guy that I've been discipling for about three years now, and it's been it's been up and down, right? Like, I mean, ten months ago, man, was he in a bad place. He was doing stupid things. He was. I was really concerned for him. But... Um, he then turned the corner, and man, he's just been serious about his time in the Word, has not been canceling on our meeting times. You know, all of a sudden, he's looking like he's a real faithful guy. So I don't think it's always apparent. I think we need to be patient with guys and pray for God to, to make them faithful, man, if maybe they're not appearing that way. But then I, if I see a guy fire in his belly, I, I give him priority. I spend time with him. I want to invest him because he's blessing me. I'm doing it. That's the thing I found is, I'm not discipling guys for them, because God's going to take care of them. I'm discipling for me. God uses them in my life in an amazing way. One way to get a, a little bit of a glimpse of a person is take them to the golf. That's right, right? 18 holes. You know everything. You've seen everything. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? So let's jump to the next part of what they want us to do here. And... Um, we're going to skip this just for time. I just want to go through these guys and talk about them. But then, so the next thing we do is we write the verses out in our own words. And so maybe we'll just talk about it quickly. But it's amazing when you go through that process. So take the scripture and then write it out in your own words of what the writer is communicating. So, for instance, I could take this and I could say... In verse one, and I, I always, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I always take it, I simplify it, and I dumb it down, you know. So you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, right? I, I'd say, you know, okay, Timothy, get empowered by the Holy Spirit, because that's the grace I think they're talking about too. That's not the saving grace, but it's the empowering grace of the Holy Spirit. So, draw on the empowered the empowering grace of the Holy Spirit each day. And what you had heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will teach others also. So the things I give to you, Timothy, make sure you're giving them to other guys who are faithful men. Right? That's my quick, simple translation as I'm writing this down. Share in suffering as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. So I just write, be ready to suffer for being a faithful Christian. No soldier entangles himself in the pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. Watch out about getting entangled in life and forgetting what your true mission is. Make sense? Right? Just take the verse and put it in your own words. And again, no, no right or wrong way to do that. This is what I love about Bible study is you're going to take what works for you and don't worry about doing every single thing this, this book tells you. I say do it all first. And get to know what you like to do and what you don't like to do. And Bible study should be fun and exciting. And focus on the things you like to do when you're getting in the Word of God. And not the things that are, you know, cumbersome and seem difficult. Alright, and then after that, step four, cross-references. So then we want to find correlating verses to this verse. And does anyone have a Bible that has, um, I didn't bring mine, I should have brought mine, but I didn't bring mine. Does anyone have a Bible that has the little references in their Bible that you can see along the way? Nick, do you have it? Why don't you lift it up and show guys. So if you look on the, look on the right page, but yeah, on the left side of the right page or the right side of the left page, you can see those little references. Yep. So what you do is you'd find where it's verse 2, 2 Timothy ch- chapter 2. So see chapter 2, verse 2? Mm-hmm. That's going to give you correlating verses that you can look up that are in the same subject of this verse. So that's one way to do cross-reference. Another way is what we've been doing through the concordance, right? Find key words and then look up where those um, words are also appearing in different parts of the Bible and see if you can find a verse that is similar to what you're reading. 
Another way, um, if you guys want to write this down, it's called the Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. And it's a great resource where it basically takes all the verses of the Bible and gives you correlating verses. And it's, I use it all the time when I do my Bible study because I find it's really in-depth and I can hit a bunch of verses very quickly and find a few correlating verses to what I'm reading about. Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. And I knew it. I knew it was going to time. Do you recommend a person that's new, like me, to read the Bible all the way through before they engage in uh um, not necessarily, Brad, because I would say, you know, there's a lot of ways to intake the word. And remember the, the grip that Sean was showing us, right? There's hearing, there's reading, there's studying, memorizing, and um, meditating. Thank you. Right? So, reading is one. You're doing the reading right now. You're going to church on Sundays, right? You're, that's the hearing. Bible, you know, then the studying is just a different finger to use in order to get a good grasp of God's word. So, you can be doing all five at the same time in different arenas. And I so, know when I did that, I was just reading it to read it, and like it was, it, it, I didn't get anything from it. You didn't get anything from it? What? Because what? Again? Because I was just like I just I was like when I when we when I first you know converted and became reborn, it was it was more so okay. Well, I didn't even read the Bible because I've never done it before, so I'm going to do it. And so I started from Old Testament all the way through, and it's like, That's what I'm doing. I, I don't, I, I didn't, oh, I didn't actually like retain anything. From I'll give you a little encouragement because no it, it meant nothing to me until I read it all the way through in order mm-hmm. and got the big picture. Yeah, so see, just I'm twenty percent of the way through, twenty percent of the way through, and my goal is to have it done. Well, I just, I just needed the big, I needed the big outline. Right? Yeah, and see, they're all profitable, guys. Yeah, they are. They're all profitable, and we should be doing all of them. Yeah. And believe me. Um, I love memory, and you know the dang meditation is the one I need to be working on more. I don't meditate enough on the Word of God. That's the toughest one, in my opinion. But I need to be—we need to be doing all of them. And if we're—and we may go through periods, right, where maybe I'm studying more in this period of my life because I'm actually in a Bible study where I have to do it. And then you know, Brad's kind of at a place where you know what—I just want to read through the Bible and get an over, like you said, a Tyson, an overhead comprehensive view of everything that is in there. And so that that may shift and change through different seasons of our lives, but those all five of those are important. The memory, I mean, man, to really get to understand a verse and really deepen your understanding, when you're doing this Bible study, I encourage you, memorize that verse you're working on as well. That's going to take it to a whole new level. So the we're going to just fly through this really quick, guys, so we can get, get you to the lunch. Give me two more minutes. So the next thing we do after that is you go to... Um, step five, and then choose possible. Just you know, okay. Now that I've been take, taking a look at this first of all, come up with some personal applications that God would have you work on, stating the problem, an example of the problem, and the solution. So they have you know some examples here from First Thessalonians, right? I'm convicted by the fact that I'm unthankful. Just yesterday, I realized that I had not thanked my wife for all the hard work she does in cooking, keeping the house, taking care of the children, and many other things. So get some personal applications from the passage you're studying. And then here it says to stop. And you can choose to stop. Maybe, okay, that's getting deep enough for my Bible study, but or you can decide to go through the next one. You don't have to be any more... When, we, when I went through this book the first time, the guy who led me through it did not have a stop. We went through all the different steps. So step six is, okay, figure out the pivotal idea in the passage. So really quick, um, and, you know, it's maybe in a, in a word or in a couple of words. What would you say the pivotal idea in 2 Timothy 2.2 is, based upon what we've read? Discipleship. Discipleship, yeah. <clears throat> What's maybe a word in that verse that we can kind of hone in on as a pivotal idea? Uh, teaching, teach. The word teaching there? Mm-hmm. Verse 2? It might be teacher, it might be the word that Tyson gave us, right? Commit or trust. And trust, yeah, commit. You know, maybe that's the kind of the word, okay, I've got to commit, I've got to entrust this to faithful guys, what God is giving to me. Yeah. And then the idea is put it in one sentence, right? That's step seven, a big idea. So maybe we take that word of trust and say, um, 
to be a soldier for Christ, I must be willing to entrust what God has given me to other faithful men. You know, so that's kind of the theme of that passage. And then step eight, this is the toughest one, guys, and I'll just show you what I did, but then it's chart, and there's a lot, the, the book will talk about a lot of different ways in which you can chart the passage. And as, these are kind of fun sometimes because there's a lot of different ways you can do illustrations, you can do, you know, more of like a Excel spreadsheet, you know, I find these analytical guys sometimes I get together with are really good at these analytical spreadsheets where I'm simple, so I usually do these really stupid, ugly-looking illustrations. So this was the illustration I did for this passage to kind of give me a, another understanding. So what I have here is I have a Bible, <coughs> and then I have me, which is the first generation, you know, first. even though I've been discipled, I'm not even really first generation. You know, there's been many generations. But as I think, I've got to be giving the Word of God to other people, right? And then out of that, I have a little asterisk that hopefully what's going to happen is some of the guys that I'm discipling are going to be faithful men, and they're going to go ahead and start discipling other guys, right? And so that will continue to press on. So again, I just wrote that out to give me a, a simple understanding of what this passage is, and I called it Four Generations for Spiritual Multiplication. Make sense? So hopefully that's been a little enlightening for you guys. I know it's... I wish I actually had, like two hours with you guys, because I think we could have gotten a lot more accomplished, but we're limited in time. So, what I'm hoping is this gives you a little taste of deeper Bible study. And if you guys are interested, um, I'll, I'll get it to John. You know, I don't know, it, it sounds like they haven't done a wheel study or fusion study here in Colorado in a while. And we're in the middle. We're, we have we finished one a little while ago, and we'll probably start one in Phoenix. But one thing we have done is we've had guys call in from other states because they weren't in our city. And if any of you are interested in that, um, before the end of the retreat, or on, you know what, I think on put put it down that you're interested on the um, yeah the, the at the back of the page, you know, for the, the evaluation form. Yeah. Let, I think one of the choices is an in, in-depth study. Mark there, and what we'll do is when another one happens, we'll get in touch with you, and if you guys are interested, you could join us remotely from Phoenix when we're probably going to start in the spring sometime in a couple of months. The other thing is, here's some of the guys that are doing some deeper Bible studies that you could get in touch with. I know Charles Rowland has a study, and Greg Smith, where they're you know having some deeper Bible study. There are also, there's also some Bible studies you can do with Jerry and Winston by the phone. So I think if you put on the evaluation form, hey, you know, let me know about those Bible studies. We'll get that information into your hands. And then we'll probably start Romans in a couple of months. So um, if, hopefully what I've done is piqued your interest enough where you guys want to go deeper. And then the other thing you could do, get a few guys together and just start going through this book together and start doing what it says. I'm telling you, it's simple. You just need to put the time in. And God will richly bless you for it. So. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.